Welcome to Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Bloman again with my brother Keith Bloman and our buddy Larry Waldman. We're starting a new tournament with this episode, at the end of which we'll ultimately crown the best rock song of the 1990s. The way we did this is we each picked 36 songs from the 90s, one song maximum per artist. If a song appeared in two of our lists, it was automatically in. Then we picked, I think, five songs apiece from each other's list. For example, Keith and Larry picked five songs from my list. If they both agreed on a song, it was also added to the list. Then we added one ad hoc song apiece. And then we, mostly Keith and I, argued over the final couple of songs before ultimately settling on a 36-song field. There were also a few artists like R.E.M., My Bloody Valentine, and The Smashing Pumpkins, where we each picked a different song for them. So we debated these and settled on which song to use. The song we played in the intro was the Foo Fighters' Monkey Rent from 1997's The Color and the Shape, probably their best album. A lot of people think Everlong is their best song, but I've always preferred Monkey Wrench and The Pretender as well, which I nominated for our last tournament. The part I played, of course, should be no surprise, as that's by far the best, most intense part of the song. Unfortunately, we tried to do a playing round like we've done in prior tournaments, but we had some technical difficulties and ultimately decided to scrap it. So we're just going to move forward with the winners from that playing round, which we'll announce as they appear during the first round matchups. Like with most of our prior tournaments, we're using the best ever albums website rankings to determine the seedings. But truth be told, a lot of these songs have similarly high rankings. The number two seed has a 92 rating and the number 19 seed has a 90 rating, for example. So we're really splitting hairs here. The 90s was a great decade for music, my personal third favorite decade after the 60s and 70s. And the plan is after this tournament, we'll go backwards. First with an 80s song tournament, then 70s, then 60s. But we'll see. We've been known to change our minds and maybe we'll have some one-off episodes as well. My uncle wants in on a proposed Motown episode, so maybe we'll get to that sooner than expected. One thing I think you'll notice is that on the whole, the first half of the 90s was much stronger than the second half. Out of our 36 songs, only 10 of them came in the second half of the decade after 1995. Okay, on to the matchups. The first matchup is the number one seed Radiohead with Paranoid Android from 1997 versus the number 32 seed Yola Tango with Blue Line Swinger from 1995. Condition makes you look pretty ugly against Yola Tenga with Blue Line Swinger.
first, full disclosure, originally we had fake plastic trees as our radio head pick, and it also would have been the number one seed in this tournament. But ultimately, we decided that Paranoid Android is the Radiohead song. It may not be their most perfect song, but it is their most ambitious and epic song. If you're picking one song to show why Radiohead is the greatest band of the past 30 years, that song is Paranoid Android. It's their free bird, their stairway to heaven, their comfortably numb, their bohemian rhapsody, and so on and so on. As for Yola Tango, they beat Remedy by the Black Crows in what was supposed to be our playing round. I think we had a good discussion on that matchup that's now lost to time. So I guess it just wasn't meant to be. I'm very happy that I was able to get Blue Line Swinger into this tournament. When I pick my songs for each tournament, I try to pick the obvious songs that have to be there. But I also try to pick a few lesser known personal favorites, which I know probably won't go that far, but which I want to talk about and turn people onto. This is one such song. I talked about Yola Tango previously with Matt in the alternative rock episode in our NIT, episode 12. They've been one of the most consistently excellent bands in alternative rock for over 30 years now. And despite some stiff competition, I think that Blue Line Swinger is their greatest song. This nine-minute epic ends their very good 1995 album, Electro Pura. It's a sublime piece that builds and builds upon James McNew's atmospheric organ, Georgia Hubley's wailing drum attack and gorgeous vocals and layers upon layers of guitar distortion, as there are definitely traces of the shoegazer genre here. Above all else, this is a great guitar song, as Ira Kaplan, Hubley's husband, is one of the few alternative rockers during that era who embraced the guitar hero role. Blue Line Swinger is just a spectacular song with its tremendous initial buildup and sustained peaks thereafter. It's atmospheric and rocking, and I love those poppy bop 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 vocals that come in towards the end as well it's an a plus song all the way the paranoid android is the number one seed here for a reason it's an ambitious highly atmospheric multi-section masterpiece with some of johnny greenwood's most incendiary guitar playing which you heard in that clip we just played i'm going to say some my radiohead commentary for a future matchup but i have paranoid android moving on here and i expect it to be unanimous I always love when you say that you're saving some of your commentary for a future matchup. It's bold because you don't know for sure that I'm, pr- I'm you, pretty sure in this that Keith and I are going to vote for radio. <laughs> but you know, in this case, you're you're probably right. We we did have a really good discussion about um, Yolo Tango and Blue Line Swinger in our aborted playing round. Sorry, sorry about the technical issues there. Um, and and it is a, it is a really good album. I don't know if I would. I don't know about. I think Yolo Tango is probably more of an acquired taste, although this comes from somebody who, you know, has insisted that Radiohead's one of the best bands of all time and that OK Computer is one of the best albums of all time, which other people have said, yeah, Radiohead's an acquired taste too. But um, Yolo Tango, I I think it's just a little bit more because, again, it it kind of veers into lots of different genres, sometimes even within the same song, like, like Blue Line Swinger is a good example of, right, where it's a little psychedelic, it's a little noise poppy, um, it's a little uh, shoegazy, as, as Scott had mentioned, but that is a really good representation of them, of their musicianship, and it is a great closer to the album. But yeah, I mean, this, this is going to be tough to make it non-unanimous. I, I think everyone who listens, who's listened to this podcast knows that I'm a, a sucker for a good Johnny Greenwood uh, solo and that any song that showcases his virtuosity as a guitar player and is just a musician, he just came out with yet another soundtrack late last week um he's a phenomenal musician overall and and i think this showcases him at, at some of his best honestly we probably could have picked what like one you know seven eight different radio songs and they probably all either would have been the number one seed or or in the top two or three but i think we all agree this is this is definitely the right song to pick for this tournament so yeah i'm not gonna i'll, I'll save some more of that commentary just like scott does for for a later podcast but this is a number two for Paranoid Android. Scott turned me on to Blue Line Swinger 20-something years ago, probably. Uh, probably when it, you know, not that far from, from when it came out. Um, I'd say it's probably one of the more underrated songs of all time because it's, it is such an epic builder of, of a song. You know, it's um, from a genre standpoint, it sort of does crossover. Um, you know, a lot of different genres. It's certainly got this sort of the Neil Young 
um, you know, guitar, you know, sloppy guitar hero um, sound to it. But, you know, it does have that shoegazer sound. It's just got, it blends a lot of really cool elements together into a, you know, it, it, it nine minute burner that builds and builds and builds. And, you know, even before there's any lyrics, you're already, you know, you're already hooked. So uh, I'd say, you know, it's, it's definitely one to, you know, to try and, and get to know better than I'm sure most of you uh, know it at the moment. Um, it, it, it's just a great, and the, the clip that we played is, is you know, is the, the highlight of, of the song, but, you know, again, it's nine minutes of awesomeness. That said, you know, it's going against, like, you know, it's one of the giants of, of all, I'd say of all time. It's, it is one of the giant songs of, of all time. You know, the centerpiece, you know, I'd call it like the centerpiece of one of the greatest albums, right? It is sort of like it, the comfortably numb comparison, I think, fits in a way because of where, you know, how it falls within like, the place it sits within one of the, the great albums of all time. So, Paranoid Android, Radiohead, moving on here, um, but a good showing, you know, I'd say. Uh, Blue Line probably, you know, it suffers with a bad draw um, in this one, and I'm sure it would uh, it would fare better and with a you know with a different matchup. Absolutely, I think it could have done pretty well, and you know, with with different matchups and and it, it's got just to jump just to, before I go, you know, you mentioned the guitar hero on the indie scene, and I mentioned this last time, but you know, don't forget, you know, your dinosaur juniors, your built to spills. Your um, uh, my morning jacket for you know for more for more recent. Uh, I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but you know they're 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 out there. Yeah, there were some definitely, but it, you know I was just kind of more alluding to the whole you know anti rock star thing that was going on in the '90s with Nirvana sure. and uh, you know where people were kind it's of really moving away, away from, from yeah moving away from sort of I mean Kurt sort of leading leading that in, in a way. Right? Yeah, yeah, Kurt had some pretty good guitar souls too on certain songs like Teen Spirit and, and Come As You Are. So I do want to say a, a few more things about Yola Tango before we send them packing because I do think they're a great, great band. For further exploration, I would say, you know, Electro Pure, which, which Blue Line Swinger is from, is very good, but I would say even better. Or 1993's Painful, which is their most kind of shoegazery album. And especially the last song there, if you like that epic builder type of song, I hear you looking on that one. It's an instrumental. It's it's kind of similar in its in its buildup and its power and how it sustains it. It's really phenomenal. And then 1997's I can hear the heart beating is one is which is probably their best and most varied and and most popular also album overall. I would say that's the best starting point and. Uh, Definitely the satirical video for Sugar Cube off of that album featuring David Cross and, and Bob Odenkirk is hilarious and is definitely worth a, a look up in, on YouTube as well. So on to the second matchup here, and we have a good one. We have the number 16 seed, The Smashing Pumpkins with Bullet with Butterfly Wings from 1995 versus the number 17 seed, R.E.M. with Night Swimming from 1992. I'd say just to jump in at the beginning, right? These are 16 and 17 seeds smack in the middle of the um, of the seedings, and possibly you know certainly two of the biggest bands of you know of the decade, easily. Absolutely, from two of the greatest albums of the decade. In my opinion.
Again, Bullet with Butterfly Wings is going up against R.E.M. with Night Swimming. matchup because these are two of the best bands of the 90s and and rem of course is one of the best bands of the 80s as well and i think again from two of the best albums of the 90s we had melancholy and the infinite sadness was in our album tournament and i think could have done really well if it had a better draw and then there's automatic for the people which you can make a case probably should have been in our album tournament though we went with murmur instead to make a case either way the pumpkin song kicks ass right from the get-go with its memorable The World is a Vampire, sets a drain opening lyric. And of course, it's despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in the cage chorus. This pure generation X style of angst. Perhaps a bit whiny and immature, but it sure is memorable and intense. And Jimmy Chamberlain. There are times in this song where it just sounds like an avalanche of drums. The video is memorable as well. And Bullet is just a quintessential 90s song that always gets my blood pumping. And for those who are curious, Larry nominated Cherub Rock and Keith nominated Tonight Tonight, two other great songs. And I'm sure that some would argue that 1979 is the most perfect pop song. But ultimately, we decided that Bullet with Butterfly Wings is a song that best represents mid-90s pumpkins. The R.E.M. song is almost its polar opposite. And right from those intro piano chords, you know you're listening to a modern classic. It's mellow and beautiful. And it's hard for me to extricate the song from the album. If we were to have an album with the best final three songs tournament, Automatic for the People might win it. Starting with the Andy Kaufman and Elvis Presley tribute song, Man on the Moon, which Keith nominated. Then on to Night Swimming. And finally closing with the also gorgeous and amazing Find the River. For the record, I nominated Losing My Religion because it's great and singular sounding with that unforgettable mandolin. It's probably their biggest song, and it's the one that truly made R.E.M. superstars. The Night Swimming is a special song. Simply put, it's a brilliantly evocative and majestic piano ballad with beautiful oboe and clarinet as well, not to mention some cello and viola too. This is a tough matchup. I can see both songs doing well in this tournament with the right draw, and it's unfortunate that one of these songs is going to have to make an early exit. Personally, if I'm thinking of 90s rock, I'm thinking of Bullet with Butterfly Wings before Night Swimming. It's just a bit more memorable, and it's a lot more quintessentially 90s. So I have Billy Corgan and company moving on here, though I have a feeling I'm going to get outvoted. Let's find out if that's the case. I don't know if you're going to get outvoted, but we're certainly going to leave this one up to Keith because there's no way I can let Night Swimming get swept. So I'm going to go with Night Swimming. A couple words beforehand. So, I mean, this is a podcast of three guys who actually spent one weekend crafting their own versions of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness to compete with one another. And I forgot what the criteria was, Scott. What It had to be under, what, 50 minutes or something or... 60? I can't I think remember. It was, it was just a single disc, right? Yeah, so yeah. you didn't make it fit yeah. onto a single CD as opposed to a double CD. It was sort of like, what would we do if we if we were um, recreating that and creating two different albums or just one super album? 
You want to explain what a CD is for people who, for our younger generation? <laughs> no, I've no, I've no, I've no desire to do that. Um, we yeah. all agreed it was just an exercise, and that we actually prefer the original Melancholy to all of our condensed versions, anyway. But yeah. but if you have to, no if, 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 but if you only have time for you know half of a Melancholy, we've got three awesome versions of it. Although they were fairly similar, I think probably yeah, yeah, half a lot of were all the same. So. But so it, I'm saying that because I think all, all three of us love that album. It was a, a formative double album for all three of us. And yeah, do, I mean, we could have each, we could have easily agreed on picking different songs from the Pumpkins. As much as I love Bullet with Butterfly Wings, and I, I distinctly remember when my roommate Andy went to Tower Records at, like on a Friday night after coming home from work, bought it. And I think we listened to it like five times in a row, the entire double album. Um, yeah, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, yeah, some of the lyrics are a little, like, you know, juvenile. But I think that's kind of the point. Like, you were talking about how so many artists in the mid-90s started turning away from the whole being a rock star thing. And at least Billy Corgan and the Smashing Pumpkins with Melancholy, they embraced it. They went the other way. Like, that that song was written to be an anthem for teenage angst, right? Which was, per and it perfectly is. So, phenomenal song. And, and yes, in other matchups, I would vote for it and, and i'm not going to be upset either way for this matchup but night swimming and automatic for the people is a very very i, I don't want to say underrated because i think most people think that it's a great album but it it just doesn't seem to have the same resonance that some other albums do and, and i think rem in that respect has faded a little bit from consciousness as well like it's not they're not thought of as a as big of a band as they were in the eighties and nineties. And, and at least for me and for many of my friends and particularly in my, in my fraternity, which was a huge, like hotbed of REM fans, like sleeping outside the night before for the green tour for, for God's sakes. Like we, everyone was like, we, people would make new mixtapes of REM as soon as a new album came out. And, and when they moved to out of time and then afterwards, when automatic came out, there was definitely some backlash because it wasn't the same sort of roots. Rock. Sell out, sell out. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I think that, I mean, I, I think at a time is a phenomenon and, and, and yet automatic for the people is a perfect REM album for me. It is a very melancholy album. It is a very like moving album about loss. I agree with you, Scott, that those last three songs are, are absolute killers, but the beginning of the album, the you know, like side one, which no, I'm not going to explain what side one is, but Although vinyl is vinyl has made a pretty big comeback, so maybe people yeah. side, side one is. But um, there's there's a lot of real crushers on that on that album too. And my understanding is that in a way it was a reaction a little bit of REM from the heights that that out of time had, where they were like superstars now and they were rock stars now, and this brought them back a little bit to a little bit more quieter, a little more um, melodic, a little bit more melancholy. Scott, a little surprised you didn't mention what well, you mentioned all the strings, but you did not mention who arranged all the strings. John Paul okay. Jones. John Paul Jones. Yeah. Yep. And the fact that this album was this kind of downcast meditation on loss and still sold like 14 million, 15 million copies just shows how big REM was and the respect that they had that no yeah. matter where they went, their fans were willing to go there with them at that time. Yep. To totally. I mean, I mean, like I, I, this was an album I remember, like I was in law school when this came out, but this is an album I bought the very day that it came out, you know, like when I went to the record store on Walnut Street in Pittsburgh and I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, I don't even think it was a chain. I think it was just a regular record store and bought it. And of course, you know, listened to it in my CD player, like endlessly. So, and had debates with my friends about like, what's the best song on the album? Why is this album so different from out of time? Like what's going on with them? You know? And and it is a phenomenon. Like I I, I feel like I, I definitively needed to vote for Night Swimming just to prevent it from potentially getting swept. Although I don't know if that would have been the case, but also maybe just to turn a few people on to to this song and to this album because it is an absolute classic. I knew you would play the beginning of the song because that that intro, those piano chords. It's yeah. like There's as soon as you hear it, you know. Like, yeah, this song yeah. is amazing. There's no way. Like I didn't even. I mean, I listened to it a few times as I was getting ready because I wanted to be able to to talk about it but there was no way i could play any other part of it so yeah i mean i i didn't pick either one of them for the, the tournament but that speaks more to the quality of the you know the catalogs that both bands have than the songs themselves um i you know rem 
Yeah, I'm fine with Murmur as as our pick for the 80s because it was, you know, they were a really important, you know, indie alternative band and, you know, in, in the 80s and that, you know, that, that scene. Um, and they also, you know, sort of matured and it did, there's a little parallel with U2, I think, and that, you know, they started as more of an alternative, you know, more underground, but became sort of the biggest band or one of the biggest bands in the world at their, at their apex. Um, and out of time, certainly, you know, catapulted them to being everywhere. Um, and then, you know, and then they sort of faded, they did, they did sort of fade away. Right. And what's left, um, is not of the same magnitude of, as sort of what they, what they were in there. Um, you know, over that, over that time period, you know, that 10, 15 year time period where they were churning out sort of masterpieces. And, um, I do think it gets a little bit under, like their impact is a little under, underappreciated overall because totally. they they were um they were important as much as they were sort of you know became sort of super you know sort of superstars um pumpkins yeah i mean with corgan corgan certainly did not shy away from you know bombast and sort of go you know making it clear that i mean right they the album is 100 and 20 right it's a two hour two hour album they certainly were you know he was aspiring to be you know the most important person in the in the, in the world in the world and i i say person because i do think that you know his ego sort of put him in a place where he you know he really wanted that like he was aspiring to to take over the world and uh, melancholy came came pretty close um Bullet, you know, as it's ups and you know, it's plus, you know, it's balance sheet. There's pluses, there's pluses and minuses, and and because, again, it is sort of um, a little bit, you know, cliche, rock star, you know, type of song. Um, but I agree. Also, it sort of represent. It probably best represents the Pumpkins overall. In the, you know, they had that mix of, you know, super heavy um hard rock and but also you know could can dial it back um and you know play beautiful like beautiful music at the same time um for me at the end of the day this matchup is you know one of them is a little bit more of a perfect representation of what it's aspiring to or it's trying to be and night swimming is that um, you know, it's, I think it's overall, it's just a little bit higher overall quality of a song. It's, a be- it's such a beautiful song. It's like, it's an evocative song. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a be- it's a beautiful piece. And, um, you know, while it may not represent rock, <laughs> you know, as much, or even the, and certainly wasn't as, um, uh, mainstream as Bullet was, I think, you know, over the years, it sort of garnished this, you know, its place has been, um, it's a class, it's a classic song and, and uh, it's moving on. All right. Uh, again, mildly, su- mildly surprised, but not super surprised. Only, only like very, very mildly. The first song to beat like one of our favorite melancholy songs, you know, that's a hell of a song, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> You know, I think you're right about R.E.M. I think they are kind of forgotten in the point because they they kind of faded away. They were never quite as good after Bill Berry left in 1996. Yeah. And yeah. some of the later stuff isn't bad, but it didn't enhance their legacy overall. And uh, they've been pretty out of the limelight since. So I think, you know, people have forgotten mm-hmm. them a little bit. And uh, you put on automatic for the people and, and you're reminded just, like they're one of the giants that they, they, they really are a classic legendary band and, and that's a phenomenal song. So no problem with that moving on here. Our next shame. matchup. It's a shame. It's a shame. One of them had to go home, but yeah, that's the way it, that's the yeah. way it falls around here. Absolutely. Two, uh, two classic songs. Okay. So we have uh, the next matchup uh, is a bit more obscure. We have 
the number eight seed spiritualized with ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space from 1997 versus the number 25 seed refused with new noise from 1998. Gentlemen, we're floating in space. And gentlemen, we are floating in spaces going up against refused with new noise. gentlemen we are floating in space with one of our two ad hoc picks and spiritualized is a psychedelic space rock band led by jason pierce formerly of spaceman 3 there are other people who contribute in fact there are a lot of musicians and backup singers who contribute to ladies and gentlemen we are floating in space which is typically regarded as the best spiritualized studio album though i do want to mention their royal albert hall october 10th 1997 live album as well because I think it's flat out one of the greatest live albums of all time. The title track of Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space is a great song to introduce the album. It has a lazy, sleepy, drug-induced vibe, as indeed a lot of spiritualized music is about drugs and are perhaps best appreciated under the influence. Not that I'm advocating the use of drugs, mind you, as I've never taken hard drugs myself. The song uses repetition to build a certain hazy, hypnotic vibe, but the song is more complex than it seems at first. We have many instruments entering the fray at various points, including our beloved horns. It's kind of low-key epic, and lyrically, the song is quite moving. And the most prominent lyric says it all, really. All I want in life's a little bit of love to take the pain away. 
heavy stuff and a beautiful song overall. As for Refused, they're a band I discovered much later via the Rate Your Music website, which is worth checking out if you're not familiar with it. It's a community website with album rankings and reviews, but also lots of cool lists, which you know I'm all about. Like any community website, it's a bit hit and miss. Some of the contributors are much better than others, but it's still a great place to hang out overall. Not surprisingly, given its abrasiveness, New Noise is a Keith pick. And I think this song could be used to represent other intense bands also labeled post-hardcore or hardcore punk like Fugazi, Unwound, Drive by Jehu, The Jesus Lizard, and Jawbox. One thing I think we could all agree on is that our wives would universally detest this song. Definitely. <laughs> New Noise is not a simple punk song. It's both mellow and heavy. There's light and shade to it. It has a nice use of dynamics. It's both funky and explosive. There's lots of shouting, but the dual traded off vocals are also catchy and cool. And there's even a brief opera-like vocal section. This song packs an awful lot into its five-minute runtime. It has multiple sections and many shifting moods. And though I suspect it will be a bit too harsh and extreme for some of our listeners, I do hope they give it a fair chance. That said, I have spiritualized moving on here. To me, it's the more iconic song, and it's a song I'm always in the mood for, whereas that's not the case with New Noise. Though props to Keith for a fine and adventurous pick here, even though I'm sending it packing, and I suspect that Larry will be doing so as well. Well, especially because I, I believe that Spiritualized was one of my, my picks, even though we made it as an ad hoc pick. It was definitely one of my picks. Uh, yeah, the- it was not originally nominated by you, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so actually I'll go backwards and I'll start with Refuse. Refuse is also a band I came to very late. I think Keith also introduced me to it, but late if I don't even remember when. So, you know, clearly within the last like decade or so. Um, hey, I, I like, I like it. I think it's a great, um, hardcore song. I do think it's, it's got more depth to it than I think probably people would first think by listening to it, but for me, ladies and gentlemen, it's like an, is an all timer. It's, it's, it is an epic build. It's, uh, it's, it's got a little bit of an interesting backstory too. Cause I mean, hopefully everyone heard the Elvis lyrics in the background of can't help falling in love. And when it first came out, the Elvis Presley estate refused to allow that to work. So they had to rework it so that it didn't. And then apparently somehow they heard the version with the lyrics in and they're like, oh, that's pretty good. Maybe we can, you know, maybe we can, can get makes make a little bit of money off of it. So they've now allowed it because they were still playing it in their live shows. And then I think, and Scott, I'm a little surprised that you didn't mention this, but most famously, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the founder of, of Spaceman three and of spiritualized Jason Pierce was in a relationship with the woman who you hear at the very beginning saying, ladies and gentlemen, we're floating in space. And right before they went on tour with The Verve, she secretly married the lead singer of The Verve, and they kept it secret from him for a while. And he he denies that this is about that, but I mean, yeah, it's got to be right. It says it was written before that, but yeah, a lot of people say stuff like that, and you know they're full of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the entire <laughs> album is about is about loss. There's and, a song called "Broken Heart." That's yeah, like the saddest song ever. It is know? the saddest song ever. It's like I just don't know what to do like on my own. Yeah. Like I don't. I like all. All I can do is think about you or something like that. Or all my thoughts are with you, something like that. Yeah, I mean, he he was clearly he was clearly a little fucked up by the fact that Kate Radley ditched him, Richard Ashcroft, Richard yeah. Ashcroft of the Verve. Yeah. So, um, but look, this is a. Regardless of what the backstory is, whether he wrote it before him, this is a beautiful song. It is, I, I, I kind of don't even know how to classify spiritualized because, um, psychedelic, it's, it's psychedelic. I mean, what I actually, as we were listening to, as we were prepping for this, I listened to the entire album again for the first time in a long time. And I do think that you could have slipped this into a sixties tournament. And if we didn't, if people didn't know any better, other than some of the production, you, you could, you could easily have thought that this is a psychedelic album, right? It's more of like a spacey, new agey. It's pretty varied, actually. It could be pretty rocking. It could be, it could be pretty, me- very mellow. Yeah. 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 There's it, sounds it, with horns. There are, yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all over the place. I mean, it's even, 
it's even a little shoegazy, not from the sound, but from like the vibe, if that makes sense. Because like shoegazy it does, it does. but it's got yeah. a, like a shoegazy vibe to it. So, you know, which maybe maybe is, is like code for, as Scott said, it might be better if you were on something when you listen to it or not. It's good. Hey, you could just have a couple of, you know, just make he, he was definitely on something when he made it. So clearly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, this, I think this, um, I think this means it's spiritual as it's going to be going on, but Keith, you got to talk a little bit about yeah. since it's your pick, got to go a little, give us a little bit more about refused. Both bands in, in a sense, um, you know, the, these, these were their albums that, were sort of lightning in a bottle for them. I think, um, you know, both of them have one album that sort of uh, carries so, sort of them um, into the future as an important band, but only for really that, that those one albums. Um, I, I think Spiritualize has a lot of good albums actually, but this is definitely their signature. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's, it, there's levels to this as they say, yeah. and it's, you yeah. know, if they never but if they if they didn't i mean if they didn't if this album didn't exist they would be you know they'd be a foot you know much more of a footnote right um um refused i mean the the name of the album is the shape of punk to come (laughs) um so you know talk about being you know a little uh, yeah a little cocky a little a little bit of a bold statement um and you know it does I mean, it certainly pushes the boundaries of what punk really is. And Scott, you know, mentioned, you know, post-hardcore. It's sort of a blend of a lot of different um, styles. And, you know, they were, it was, it it was a bold album, right? It wasn't just a bold um, album title. The the choices that they made from a a musical standpoint were, were bold too, and that they're, they, you know, they're fusing a lot of different things into um, into punk and hardcore. Um, and New Noise is just, it's, it is a classic, you know, call it a, I'll call it a classic for, you know, it's subgenre. Um, but, you know, it's sort of an influential song in itself and it's referenced in pop culture and, um, and it's epic, right? It's, you know, it's, it kicks your ass. It, I, to me, this was sort of the flip of of the Pumpkins REM. Just in my in my thought process, from you know, I had New Noise beating Floating in this matchup, um, where you have one song that's sort of you know the slow, you know, um, pop poppy, uh, so, poppier song or less in your face song, obviously. It, Mm-hmm. Um, compared to um, you know the hard rock you know the, the kick ass sort of song with you know I'm not surprised that spiritualizes moving on here new noise oh again like if if that's your if you want to and like we always say right these are individual right we we're not magician right we don't have a secret you know. <laughs> you know it's the secret to picking the best you know what what's the best um song and if you're in the mood for a heavier um you know pump you up type of song or album then i'd say check out refused and um you know we'll talk more about spiritual spiritualize you know in the next in the next round and i'll add that you know i think that was probably the most abrasive part of the song there, there are parts of the song that are almost catchy and, and more melodic. It's so, too bad that the songs were so similar to make the matchup really challenging, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't rip off, they didn't rip off Elvis Presley, so. Yeah, that's true. Although you never know, if Elvis came out, you know, maybe no, a little bit later, they, maybe he would have been a punk singer, you never know. They didn't use it though, so it didn't. Maybe he count. is. If you, if you don't use it, it doesn't count. Good day. He's still out there. Anyway, Refuse is definitely worth checking out if you like if you if you if your taste leans towards the more adventurous side, it's it's definitely worth a listen. If not, you'll hate it. Well, but both and 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 both neither one of them are sort of you know pop right. They're not popular. They're not pop albums. Yeah, but the spiritualized one is is easy on. It's easier to digest. Certainly easier to it's easier to digest because it's not as abrasive. It's not intentionally abrasive. Yeah. 
All right, so Spiritualize is moving on. And now we have our final matchup, which is the number nine seed Portishead with Glory Box from 1994 versus the number 24 seed Pavement with Summer Babe Winter Version from is going up against Summer Babe Winter Version by Pavement. Much like my buddy Valentine's Loveless is the ultimate shoegazer album and Pavement Slanted and Enchanted is arguably the ultimate lo-fi indie rock album, Dummy by Portishead is probably the definitive trip-hop album. Trip-hop was a moody Bristol-based style that married hip-hop beats and effects with actual singing. And it was first introduced on Massive Attack's classic Blue Lines album in 1991 and which gained further popularity and credibility was Tricky's excellent Max and K in 1995, not to mention subsequent stellar albums by both Massive Attack and Portishead. Joff Barrow is Portishead's musical mastermind, the production and sampling wizard who definitely and ingeniously mixes together strange spy film effects with spare hip-hop beats. Ennio Morricone-styled spaghetti western guitar supplied by Adrian Utley, haunting Hammond organ, and silken strings. The end result is a film noirish atmosphere that brings to mind cold, dimly lit lounges filled with smoke and broken dreams, while singer Beth Gibbons lends her tattered voice to the band's delectably depressing soundscapes. Quite simply, Miss Gibbons sounds like the saddest girl in the world, and Porter said create dark nights of the soul where romance and lady luck have turned irredeemably sour. To quote another classic song on the album, Sour Times Indeed. In addition to some highly original and well-written songs, the album's intentionally scratchy sound with a brilliant production masterstroke that made Dummy a one-of-a-kind listening experience. Glory Box is probably the best song on the album, and it's one of those borderline rock songs. 
it just oozes sex appeal, helped along by a great Isaac Hayes sample, which is also used on Tricky's also great Hells Around the Corner. This song, like all Portishead songs, is all about its seductive atmosphere. But improbably enough, it also has a classic guitar solo from Utley, which makes it rock enough for me. On the pavement in the aforementioned album Slanted and Enchanted, you may remember we picked a different album, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, for our album tournament. But some people, I think Larry is one of them, feel that Pavement never topped their first full-length album. Slanted and Enchanted was an instant indie classic, and Pavement became critics' darlings upon its release. Recorded primitively, its songs were all the better for it, since they were inspired off-kilter tunings and angular guitar lines drenched in static weren't meant to be smoothed out. Whereas Pavement differs from their influence, including the Velvet Underground, Sonic Youth, and especially The Fall, is that in addition to harsh guitars, the album also delivers joyously catchy pop tunes with hummable melodies. It's also a great guitar record. As our song selection from the album, the intro track Summer Babe Winter Version proves, only the guitar heroics purposely sound as if they were recorded on the wrong frequency. Not Mrs. Cryptic yet clever wise ass lyrics are also worth mentioning. And this song and its parent album was a rough hewn gem that became an underground favorite in the post Nirvana world. Two great songs, two personal favorites. But whereas Glory Box is easily the first Porter said song I tend to think of, I might have nominated several other pavement songs before Summer Bay, though I think it's also a great song. It's just not as sexy or as singular. The vocals aren't even in the same league. And then you have that classic Isaac Hayes sample and Utley's powerhouse guitar solo to erase any possible doubts. Glory Box gets my vote here, and I'll be surprised if it doesn't advance to the next round. Also, before I hand this over to Larry, I just want to mention that an inferior version of Summer Babe had appeared on a prior EP, hence the winter version clarification in the title that this was a different and improved version of the song. This isn't, by the way, this isn't the, you know, we're not voting on which is the sexier song. It's not in the criteria, my friend. It's all part of the package. If you're, you know, you got to pick your own criteria, man. That's not really what uh, what Pavement was going for. <laughs> no, definitely not. You could argue Scott. it's also the more rocking song. I mean, that's a pretty kick-ass guitar song. Yeah. And Scott, I got to commend you on your, uh, your Portishead right up there. That was fucking poetry, man. That was beautiful. Thank yeah. you, man. Yeah, that was really good. I mean, you did take a lot of the stuff that I wanted to say, but hey, that's okay. I'm all right with that. You, 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 uh, that's the better, you use better word. You use better word. You use better word. Rock critic, so you know, it makes it's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I also think this is another one of my nominations um, because I'm, I'm probably more of a probably not probably I'm definitively more of a trip hop fan I think than Keith. Maybe maybe tied for a trip hop fan with Scott because I know Scott. Scott will allow trip hop as actually being rock, despite despite his reluctance to let many other pseudo rock genres in. Um, it has singing. It does. It does. Have, it does have singing. It's not. It's not pure electronica. Although that does have whatever. We, we'll we'll save that for another. We'll talk about hip trip hop versus hip hop. That's <laughs> I guess where I'm going. Yeah. No. That's that's okay. Um, so, first of all. The, Beth Gibbons, she's like out of time. Like, I mean, she, I agree, you know, when you, when you hit the, the dark, gloomy, smoke-filled rooms, I mean, she deserves to be in a jazz club in like the 50s, right? I mean, she, she has a jazz voice. And, and I know that Portishead is probably a little more jazzy than some of the other trip-hop bands. I think Jeff Barrow actually, start, or, you know, maybe it was Adrian Utley actually started out as a jazz musician and then kind of gravitated towards rock, which is, I think, why you get some of those, um, some of those jazz vibes in here. You also very much with Portishead and with Glory Box in particular, you get like a movie soundtrack vibe. And I know many critics have um, likened them to John Barry, who most people would reckon would might not know, but is the one who created most of the themes for the James Bond movies in the sixties and seventies and Glory Box and, and Dummy, the album that Glory Box is on, the, the debut album for Portishead, just in general has that kind of movie 60s 70s vibe that sulky uh, i agree with you scott that sexy vibe right it's this is this is like the epitome of that song he's probably yawning at this point so like, okay. i've definitely seen it in commercials for you know yeah. like you know romantic movies and, and things of that nature absolutely yeah um 
So, I, I mean, I think you can you can sense which way I'm leaving. Although I do think Summer Babe is a phenomenal song. And yes, I still think that Slant and Enchanted is better than Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. I know you guys disagree, but I don't know. I, I think part of it has to do with it was the first album that I, I heard. From, you know, like it, it's more formative for me. Like I, I remember hearing it in the early 90s. Cause you go like, back and forth. I go back and forth. I yeah, I, lo I love them both. Uh, Crooked, yeah. to me, I, I would pick Crooked, but they're both great. And and I think for so you know and I think I said this during our last tournament too although it's been so so long ago it's probably like in February or March I as much as I like Pavement I feel like for some reason Pavement was very much a band of its time for me and it doesn't carry with me as much like I loved Pavement when they came out and I still really like them whereas Portishead feels a little bit more timeless to me just because it's so much more unique and and again I, I'm I gravitate towards those kind of bands, those kind of albums, those kind of songs, where it's a mix of genres. It's something that sounds something like I haven't heard before. And yeah, do I think that, do I think that Pavement is like the epitome of the lo-fi revival garage rock back in like the early 2000s, early 90s, sorry, absolutely. It's just, it doesn't stay with me quite the same way. Although maybe I'll throw Slant and Enchanted on later on tonight and I'll change my mind for our next podcast. But for me, I'm going to make this, uh, Two for for Portishead and Glory Box. Although this was probably the toughest matchup for me, it's still not quite that close. It doesn't sound that. Close. Yeah, no. I mean, it was no, tough. That was tough, not... but it was, but it wasn't but, that close. It was yeah. clear cut, but close. But close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this would have been a tough one for me if I had a vote. Um... <laughs> well, well, who would you have voted for? Let's pretend it's one one. You know, it's it's it, it's hard for me to say because, um, you know, I sort of sometimes I just pick on a spot based on uh, on what else um, is happening. <laughs> well, just you know, it, yeah, just it's just different when I don't have you know when I don't have to to pick. Um, I would you know I'd say that Summer Babe and and Slant and Enchanted when you say Glory Boxes you know, st stood out more. I, I would only say that when Slant and Enchanted dropped and Summer Babe, you know, being the lead, the you know, the lead track of the album, it was, that was sort of revolutionary when it came out, right? Like this was a, a fresh, you know, a fresh sound that sort of sparked a, a, a new, you know, a new beginning of, of sort. And to me, um, that's one of the beauties of Summer Babe is that it does, whenever I hear it, I, that's what it sort of, the, what I remember is sort of that sort of new, rev, you know, new underground revolution that that song to me best represents of, um, you know, from that, that, that whole scene that came afterwards, you know, that was the, the impetus for it. Um, the scene, let me let, let me just interject. Like I think Larry once talked about lo-fi. What is lo-fi? And they kind of represented that there were other bands like Guided by Voices, yeah, you know, Sebado, even even later on, like like you could say like Beck's Mellow Gold almost, and uh like blur the the, the self-titled blur album, right? Kind of adopted some of that sound. So it's kind of like what is lo-fi? It's hey, it's like you're recording on a tape or you're recording in the in your in in the basement or it, it's the it's like, a liberal like doing, doing a podcast on zoom exactly and so it's, it's right, like, we're right, not trying to clean it up like the static right. is meant to be there it, it sounds cool and and there was this whole kind of subgenre, you know like that we could even go neutral milk hotel and throw that in there as well so anyway sorry to interrupt right no no it's sort of that you know i don't care i care i don't care Sort of um, ethos, uh, yep. dynamic, um, and and whereas Glory Box is just this magnificent, you know, um, piece. And I go back to it's a it's a it's artistic, right? It is sort of small, right? It's it's intimate. It's very intimate, um, and it's you know, it's got it's got tons of emotion. It, I, I I do think that Glory Box is the more singular song, and I you know I probably would have ultimately picked it. Whereas Pavement and Summer Babe represents 
you know, a, a genre and a, and a movement more. Um, and Summer Babe always, to me, when I hear it, it does, it's bigger than just than the song. It's, it's always bigger than the song itself. Um, sort of like the teen spirit for, um, for lo for lo-fi in it. I think they both do that though, because yeah, the one represents the lo-fi indie, and the other represents trip hop, right? Yeah, and but it, but like you said, right? Glory Box was in the middle. Like Glory Box didn't launch, didn't launch it. It was it, it kind of perfected it. it. Yeah, yeah, exa exactly. So yeah. That, that's I get it. Yeah, that's a little different. Um, I was looking at the bra bracket though. I'm sort of disappointed that um, Glory Box can't uh, it can't bump into uh match up against fade into you and unless they're in the finals together yeah that would, that's that's an epic well, matchup we'll right see what we can do we'll see that. what we'll see what we can do that would be yeah uh, well, we, we can we can vote on what the sexier song is between yeah. uh those two but anyway um yeah glory box is a worthy um you know it, it like you said it belongs in the rock bracket <laughs> you know, in the rock tournament, it's got enough. It's got enough elements um, that it that it makes sense, and it's uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a big song. And I just want to do a shout out to Isaac Hayes, who who has that memorable sample. It, at some point, I, I know Larry and I are a little bit more enthused about this than Keith, but we want to do it. We want to do a soul <laughs> tournament, and I'm definitely gonna try to get Isaac Hayes in there. Uh, especially his hot buttered soul album. So uh, more to come on Isaac Hayes, hopefully in the future. But uh, great song, uh, Glory Box, and, and, and Pavement as well. So both worthy representatives of the 90s for sure. So we're going to recap this episode. We had the number one seed Radiohead, no surprise here. Paranoid Android beat the number 32 seed Yola Tango with Blue Line Swinger. But again, check that song out and, and some of my other recommendations for them as well. Then we had probably our most highly contested matchup. We had uh, the number 17 seed REM with Night Swimming beat the number 16 seed, the Smashing Pumpkins with Bullet with Butterfly Wings and, and two of the uh, definitive bands uh, and songs really of that decade. Uh, then we had the number eight seed Spiritualized with Ladies and Gentlemen, We Are Floating in Space. Uh, beat the number 25 seed refused with new noise, which is uh, a little bit more uh, quiet taste, a little more of a quiet taste, probably. Uh, and then we had the number nine seed Portishead with Glory Box beat the number 24 seed Pavement with Summer Babe Winter Version. But you know, we're all Pavement fans as well. Anyway, we'll be back again soon with four more first round matchups of 90 songs as usual. I enjoyed talking tunes with you guys tonight. Have a good night, everyone. Night, everyone. All right, before we go, here's an outro song for this episode, Closing Time by Semisonic uh, from 1998. Keith and I recently went to a wedding party, and as it was winding down, I fully expected to hear Last Dance by Donna Summer, but they played the equally apt Closing Time instead, and I'm guessing that hearing it reminded Keith of how great this song is and prompted him to nominate it for this tournament even though it ultimately didn't make our final 36. So, to fittingly close this episode, here's closing time. Every new beginning.
Every new beginning comes from some other beginning.